0: I mean, I wasn't all that keen on it, actually, because I thought it was a crazy idea. I just thought, you know, I can't imagine how, how we're going to do this. The what's it all about, you know, the, the sense that this is another sort of absurd exercise in human sort of
1: self-deceit, self-deception. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better, better, better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with my dad, Peter, and with the people and the places who were involved in some journeys that he took across America in 1969. This episode of Getting Better Acquainted is an unusual one, partly because it was recorded before I'd even started doing Getting Better Acquainted. It's a recording from around six or seven years ago, which I made because I want to make a road trip style film one day about two journeys that my dad took across America to make a film about American coal mines. Because of that, and because at the time he was in his late 80s, although nowadays he's 93, I decided to record it so that the story was there when I wanted to use it in the future. Some background information before we go in to help to orientate you. My dad worked making documentary films for the Coal Board. Well, not exactly for the Coal Board, for a kind of workers' collective that then did the work for the Coal Board, but still, essentially, for the Coal Board. His first wife was called Sheila, and his second wife was called June and she also happens to be my mum. I think that's enough. Everything else I think is clear. You won't hear very much of me in today's episode and when you do, I'll be quite away in the background because I was only really intending to record my dad. This week seems like the perfect week to share this archive material, partly because my dad was 93 on Monday. And so it's really interesting listening back to him uh, a f- quite a few years ago now when he was in a different place in his life, in his life as an older person. You may have heard episodes with him recently and you'll hear some more again in the future where he's his current age of 93. So I think this is quite an interesting comparison to those episodes. Also America and what it means and what it doesn't mean and the lies it tells itself and the lies it tells everybody and the situation that it is currently in is very much in my mind at the moment. So it's interesting to kind of go back and see America and think about America and think about a different time as well, a different time when industry was different, both in the UK and in America, when, when life was different, when the ways that we were thinking about the world were very different. And also, I kind of had to put this out this week because I'd run out of recorded conversations in my conversation bank, and so I didn't really have very much choice. But I really enjoyed putting it together, and I hope you enjoy it too.
0: 1969 it was, uh, yeah, because it was, I mean, it was a very eventful year because, in fact, when I went on the it I was married to Sheena, and when I went on to shoot it, I was with June. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very... So there was a very lot of personal f- stuff going on in my right, mind right. throughout that whole period. It must have started sort of beginning of 69. The Francis came along and said, I want to make this film, you know, I'm going to make this film in America.'' Three British mining companies are going to sort of put money into it. But the three British mining companies were Tug- Gullick, Dobson, Doughty and Aniston, who were the three biggest mining maca- machinery manufacturers in this country, who exported because it was a big um, British mining machinery. But of course in this country, these the mining equipment these people were making was supplied to one customer. Right. On the other hand, from their point of view, because it was a very big customer and it probably helped them selling the stuff abroad. I mean, they, Doughty made chocks. You know, these chocks are gotten down and supports. Gullick Dobson made supports. Anderson Maver actually made the machines. They made cutting machines. So there were three big mining manufacturers, mining manufacturers. And they apparently came to the coal, or the coal board coerced them. I, I never found this out, but quite possibly. The Americans, most of American mining was done on the principle of room and stall mining, which is where you cut out little rooms with with a sort of machine which goes in and cuts it out. Then you cut the next one out. British mining was on this, which you will have noticed in the films probably, was on this long wall basis where you' cutting up you're cutting a strip like yeah, bait, yeah. like there's bacon there's yeah strips, like, these the reasons for these things were probably initially geological and long wall mining was carried out in Germany Russia England and increasingly increasing the United States because it's a much I mean it's a good method if you can do it the room and store you were doing one little bit and then having to come back and do the next bit whereas this was a kind of industrial process you just, keep process. And you the just rest comes back. yeah. Yeah. You let it fall behind you. What happens is you push... The face goes ahead, and then the, the waste drops behind it. After a certain distance, it, it drops. There's another way of doing it, which is to drill a, a roadway in and retreat this way. Anyway, both these things involved a wall face. German and British equipment manufacturers were the, were the sort of world leaders in longwall. Some faces had started up in America, some longwall faces and they were using British and German equipment. So these three mining manufacturers were interested in making a film showing how their machinery was being used in America. Now, how how it came about, whether the companies came to the coal board, I mean, I think it was probably done on the basis of people talking to one another. You know, mining engineers and the, the production head of production at the National Coal Board would have known them, managed them people and probably it could well have come out over a dinner or something but the cold board film unit was in, was engaged to do it i don't actually see that the cold board had a great interest in it because it wouldn't worry them i mean it wasn't they weren't selling equipment so i don't i really don't know exactly how it all started anyway francis comes along and says that they're going to do this and francis is very friendly with somebody in produ- in the production department somebody high up in the production department at the cold board who put it to him and the Cobalt film Unit were going to do it, but some of the money was going to be put up by these each of these three companies, which was unnew. I mean, n- normally Cobalt films are made by the Cobalt for the Cobalt and paid for by the
1: Cobalt. Did that mean you had a, a, a much larger budget than you
0: had normally got? Or? Well, yeah, in the sense that, I mean, the Cobalt wouldn't have had... I mean, it was obviously expensive to make a film over there in the States. By the Commonwealth film standards, it was a sort of big film. Why, why did you get chosen to do the big film? Uh, I don't know. Why did I get chosen? Personal, oh, you know, Perth. You make... um, I was sort of fairly senior in Francis' eyes. I mean, he, he thought I was quite good. I mean, I'd known Francis since 1941. I mean, he was in... I met him briefly before I went in the army... When he he came down from Cambridge and he was with Rosa Films, who I was with before I went in the army, so we'd known one another all our lives. But, we've never sort of intimate. we were never great friends, but then Francis as a very, was never. I don't. He had didn't have that kind of friendship. He had a he had a kind of well. He had a very strange. Friend. He was a very shy guy in lots of ways. But he was. It's very. I mean, it's a it's a whole. It would take a whole book to describe him, but. His attitude to me, as at that time, as I was one, of a contemporary with him. He thought I was sort of, you know, I was a senior director. I mean, they were, I'm trying to think who else. And he knew me probably because when he came back to the coal board, there were directors who Donald Alexander had brought in. After Francis had left, so yeah, he knew me. I'd, I'd never thought of this before, but it, it could well be just on that basis. He offered it to me. I wasn't all that keen on it actually, because I thought it was a crazy idea. I just thought, you know, I can't imagine how, how we're going to do this this unit and because I didn't have a great deal of faith in the depths of analysis in w- with which films were done. Because Francis was, although he was, he was very bright, very intelligent, and that, but I mean, his attitude tended to be well yeah you know that'd be all right. It was very much sort of yeah yeah well, it won't be a problem, you know, and you'd think, well, yeah, but there are going to be problems, that sort of thing, and this wasn't i mean this is the sort of thing one was used to at home, but you could deal with it at home i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't take <clears throat> necessarily face value with the simplicity with which he thought something would be done, although he wasn't i mean he was very <clears throat> very tolerant, very easy going in lots of ways, anyway. The proposition was put to me. That the idea that it was to be about British machinery in the States was put to me. It wasn't really a question of very much of making a script because what happened was there were there was sort of there were only a limited number of installations over there, and they simply said this particular pit has this installation. So that was so we had a sort of list of pits at that point: two in Illinois and one in Utah. So we had three. Locations which we were going to visit, where we were going to make the film. And the film was going to be made about the equipment that was there. It wasn't a question of writing a shooting script or anything like that. Suggesting then was that Francis and I would go out there and look at these pits and come back with a sort of plan of what we were going to do. But right from the beginning, I kept saying, well, yeah, but it's no good just sending me over to make the film. You have to send a mining engineer over with me. I mean, you you wanting me to come back with some kind of technical analysis, and I don't have the wherewithal to—I don't, you know—to interview the managers, to ask the managers the right questions. Oh, no, you'll be able to do it, Perse, No problem. Um, was that <laughs> he called you, Purse. Pierce, he called me. He had nicknames for everybody. Robert was Squarehead because he was German. Peter Whale well was Moby because he was <laughs> he whale. Um, Ken Reeves was Tiger. I can't remember why that was. Why were you, purse? Purse? I don't know because he couldn't think of anything else. He short for Percy. Percy, yeah, purse, yeah. Um, But anyway, but I mean, literally, one of the things in the cold war that he never referred. I mean, and this was the sort of films officer. I mean, so he was. You could say he was in a sort of high middle management. Well, no, he was a departmental manager. But he never referred to anybody. Anybody? Well, I mean, he invented nicknames almost immediately. So, if a new character appeared on the horizon. And it wasn't just the people in the unit. Every PRO and everybody he did it in else. In
1: America, when he went over there, did he do it to the Americans?
0: No, he didn't do it to people's faces. I mean, <laughs> right. the strangers. But I mean, in the unit, he d- he called people by those names, and everybody knew who he meant. Okay. He thought like that. He was a sub editor actually. He was. He used to do the Mining Review commentaries every month, and that was his happiest moment when he would sit down and write the Mining Review commentaries. And his son Christian went on to become a journalist at the Sun Daily Mirror, and they both. I mean, Francis was a great headline uh, sub sub editor. That's what he liked about Mining view because he had to think up four four story titles, you know, which were very much based on the same same kind of thinking, and very shy, and knew an enormous amount because I had a great technique dealing with him when I when I got sort of when. There was nothing much to say at lunch on board. I simply asked him a question. I think, what do I really want to know about? What don't I know? Because I, I remember once the basic was, I said to him, I remember saying to him, once, "Look, Francis, I don't really understand. You know, how the hell does the underground work?" And then I mean, I spent the whole lunch and He was sort of telling me, you know, sort of perfunctory but quite so he knowledgeable. He... he was a very bright guy, but he was also very. Strange. He was quite religious, I discovered that. He believed in, I think he was a Catholic, he married a Catholic the second time. He didn't talk about these kind of things, he never talked about anything personal. Right. And it used to annoy him when personal things happened. I mean, if people got divorced and all that, say, oh, bloody, you know, silly fool, what did you do that for? You know. not, not with any deep thinking, but just, so this is annoying, you know, it's upset the pattern of life. You know <laughs> marriage, you know what's he you know what's all this coming back to the reasons for the the film or to the the approach to it, My attitude was always surely I should have an engineer or somebody sent with me, but this was totally rejected. This is what made me i mean I wasn't all that keen on doing it at that point after that because I sort of thought, well, this is ridiculous, I'm going to be left with a really sort of strange situation without any guidance and with the assumption that there's no problem, and I should sort it out, you know. I mean, if people have thought, yeah, there's a problem, they can have sorted out. But with this sort of idea, is that you think, well, I can see this is enormously difficult and it's being dismissed as terribly easy. You know, that is a very this is a big pitfall there. Anyway, so the next thing was that Francis and I would go out on this visit. As you said, by the Cobalt Film Unit standards, this was therefore a, an unusual and a very high prestige and a very sort of expensive film. The person going out initially was the actual film's officer with, with the director. That being so, of course, it meant that the film's officer did all the organising. I sort of vaguely said to him from time to time at lunchtime when we were drinking our tea, what you know, is it or what, or what's going to happen? Oh, you know, I've written to various people and that sort of thing, we go over there. And we were going to fly Japel because he, did, he thought that was a good idea. He didn't like British Airlines like, at the time. So we duly flew out. Without me knowing very much, except that we were going out for two reasons. We were going to look at the locations and we were going to, we were going to try to find American cameramen and an American crew because I'd wanted to take a British crew out that had been vetoed. There's a case for having an American crew because they'd know America, and also in terms of organisation, if it was done with an American crew... I mean, if we took a British crew out, the production manager, he wouldn't know America, you know. You'd have had to have had a liaison, so you'd have had to have had some American personnel. You'd have had to have an American manager, production manager, or assistant production manager. But I would have liked to take a British cameraman out, you know, the cameraman and, like an assistant because I was used to working with them. anyway that was a minor thing but so off we go so we fly out and we land in New York and the first thing we're going to do is see Francis knew America he'd been to America and he had a sister living up somewhere near Chicago we were going to see this American cameraman so we went to see uh, somebody in Greenwich Village a young sort of cameraman who I thought well this guy's great you know he's alright but then the sort of question of organization came up, and uh um he was basically a cameraman i mean he was he didn't run a unit or anything, so we had Francis had a list apparently two of, no he had maybe just this and another address so then we went to see the alternative person who was was carmle Kames. now carmle keyes was the was a cameraman who was the son of Somebody else, Mark Kames, who was one of the very earliest Hollywood cameramen, who was still alive and who actually had um, a theatre in his basement, which I subsequently went to later. But the thing about Mark Kames, he was maybe, he was probably in his 40s, something like that, 50s, 40s, 50s, is that he was not just a cameraman, he had a sort of unit and he could supply a lot, and that was the deal. You know he would supply a production manager and sound recordist, his own assistant all the camera equipment uh transport to station wagons and he and they would they would do the whole organizational thing, so all I'd have to do is sort of direct and he he was all right carmel james and we come to him later because immediately after having seen him and that looking as though it was going to happen and me thinking, well, I don't quite, I would like the other guy as a cameraman but I can see, you know, that this is, yeah, yeah. unless you're going to let me have an America, unless you're going to let me bring an English crew and hire a production manager, this is all right. So then we go off and Francis likes driving so we hire a car in New York. Francis does all the driving. He doesn't want, he's quite, he loves driving. Every time we, Pull in at a um, place. I go and get him a ice coke, and he likes this. He's very sentimental. Strange, he sort of remembers this years after. We pull into the first pit, you know, and I I assume that letters have flown between National Coal Board, which is quite an important organisation in this country, and the head of this mining company, and that um, arrangements have been made at uh, the films office from the National Coal Board. Is visiting the mine to discuss the making this film. As I say, Francis has said, you know, oh, he's written to everybody, sort of thing. So I assume it's all tied up. But <laughs> we, we sort of went to the office of this, this we, we pull up outside this big sort of colliery building. And, um, no, I don't, it wasn't a colliery building, it was the, in the local town. It was the headquarters because it being privatised over there, it was the headquarters of that particular mining company, which had several mines. And we sort of go up the steps and in and the receptionist and Francis um, announces who he is and that and the girl has no idea who he is and doesn't know. Um, and, well, and I wrote to Mr So-and-so. <coughs> well, he's not here at the moment, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but you could see Mr So-and-so. So we meet... So I mean, constantly thinking, oh, Christ, you know, hasn't he? <laughs> What's happening? Um, and then... <laughs> a guy comes out who's introduced and sort of looks puzzled but says, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yes, um, I think there was something about possibility of a film or something. <laughs>
1: um, all
0: the way from the <laughs> with two, two, three bloody thousand miles or whatever <laughs> it is. So this guy then says, uh, <clears throat> so he, he's very nice and he sort of says, well, you know, what can I do in France? He said, well, we're going to look at the, the mine or something. So we we don't, actually. We don't go down. But we have discussions and it's arranged that, yeah, yeah, you know, we'd be very happy to accommodate you and uh, to arrange it. But, um, you know, we, we, we'll have to write you or something because Mr says not here, et cetera, et cetera. So that's right, so we don't go down a bit at all, but, you know, it'll be all right. Because we were, getting that's right, we're going to visit these, And then we go on to the other one, next one, in Illinois.
1: So you drive... Oh.
0: We drive on to the next colliery, to the second location, and, I mean, there's a virtual repeat of this... um that clearly they don't really know much about us. So, yeah, it'll be all right on the day, sort of thing, you know. Were you sort of a novelty to them,
1: because you were, you know... Vaguely,
0: British. but they were a bit puzzled. I think yeah. they were a bit puzzled. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they didn't know that. I think they were puzzled at the kind of casualness of the situation. I mean, had <laughs> it. Then the idea then is that we drive on to um, St. Louis, then... He will fly off up north to see his sister in Chicago. (laughs) I will fly on to Denver where I will pick up a car and then I will drive across the Rockies and into Utah uh, to the third mine, right, that we're going to see on my own. On your own? Yeah. Well, that's the best part of the whole trip. That's the best part of the whole American thing because think I got to Denver and I got this Mustang... But I must say I was completely thrown initially by the fact that I'd never driven in a big American car because Francis done all the driving, (laughs) and and when I got and I hadn't didn't appreciate the the, I mean it was a typically American situation because you I came out of the plane and walked gave up my ticket or whatever and walked out to where the car where you picked up the hire cars and there there was a hire car waiting with the door open and the engine running. And I'd never been in, I would never had, I mean, I thought, well, you know, I was thinking on the plane, I thought, well, when I get there, I sort of get in the car, I just sort of take it round the corner and sort of um, suss it out, yeah. out and work it out because, it, you know, but as I say, the car was there, there's a guy holding the door and the engine's running and, a, and, and, and it's night, it's night time. It's sort of like motorways, you know, the right-hand drive. i right hand I'd never driven on the right, and the right-hand drive and tr- streams of traffic out of the airport <laughs> in the dark, and I had a vague idea of where it was meant to go. I wanted to get into the centre of Denver, when in actual fact I got mixed up with the motorways, and I was like about 20 miles outside Denver, <laughs> and I couldn't stop. You know, I kept on... I couldn't... I had to go far enough that I could actually that the traffic thinned out enough that I could stop. So I stopped I found a bar or something and stopped there and got pointed back in the right direction. Got into Denver. And the Holiday Inn in Denver is right in the middle of the town and it's it's a, um, a, you know, a, a, a skyscraper block sort of thing. When and I got there, somebody was in the room so I had to go back down to the desk. It was a great, disastrous day. Ah, oh, no, and this was the classic bit, because, I forgot to tell you, yeah, before we left England, Francis said, oh, I forget what the mining engineer's name was, but he, Francis said X, whoever he was, um, he'd like to go in and talk to the, the, the chap at the American Institute of Mines when you're in Denver about uh, roof bolting, which was a new t- uh, an American technique by which you hold the roof up by drilling and putting bolts into it, which had been introduced in England. But was primary and came from America, and I said, "Well, what exactly do you mean?" Sort talk to him about it. He Said, "Well, you know, they're doing reports and that sort of thing. You know, discuss it with him." And (laughs) so I said, "Yeah, but you know, this again is is um, I mean, I was saying this is surely a question of really good reason for taking a mining engineer on this trip." (laughs) Anyway, I had this before I left Denver to go to, to, to Zuma, and I had this appointment made with me with a very high engineer in the American Bureau of Mines to talk to him about roof bolting. So I assumed then that he, once again, that he had been briefed that somebody was coming to see him who wasn't an engineer or anything, but that, you know, he would hand me some reports or say, you know, you can take these back and you know, this is the latest thing we've got. I assumed, yeah, you know, well I'm, I'm a kind of super messenger in a way, but since I'm here and, you know... After this night in, in the holiday and I'm finding the my way down to sort of central Denver to where this place is, knock on the door. Now, that appointment has been made. They are expecting me. I go up to see this guy... And his sort of third felt very nice office and that sort of thing. And I think he offered me coffee or something as soon as I get in. We, we have the small talk. And then he sort of sits back in his chair as so though the initiative is with me. <laughs> so I said, I said uh, oh, Well, but you, you do realise I'm not an engineer. And he sort of looked somewhat perplexed. <laughs> and we sort of, he was a nice guy actually. And we... Were, we rapidly got to the point where I sort of said, "Well, really, I don't quite know what I'm doing here, and uh, you know, I don't. I really feel I ought to apologise for the visit." Because I, and he said, "Well, we could drink some whiskey, and we sort of we had quite a good talk about other things." Yeah, I think he. I can't remember the details, but he must have said to me, "Well, I was expecting an engineer or something like that."
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, that what, was all right. What sort of a guy was he? He was nice. He was sort of. Typical sort of American engineer, he was sort of grey haired in his 50s, reasonably tall, university engineering oh, right, staff, so that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I I mean, yeah, because he was high up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, if I'd been, well, even that would have been ridiculous to send me to see anybody there, but to send me as though, I mean, he should have been discussing at the level with a sort of, uh, the guy who actually was Francis, who in the production department, who was himself an engineer in this right. country, they would both know what they were talking about. I mean, beyond knowing that the roof bolts of what you put in the roof, they'd know about tension and you know <laughs> weight bearing, and, or, and they'd know everything. I mean, they'd have an intelligent technical conversation. So after that, I had this great drive across the Rockies. In a Mustang. In a Mustang, yeah, that was really great. That was really great. That was, I stopped at Colorado Springs and it was 1969, so the Beatles were still sort of big in America, you know. Yeah. So I remember I sort of went out, I stopped at a motel in Colorado Springs and went into the town and I found a night... I was in a sort of nightclub in a bar. And everybody was terribly keen on the Beatles. I was, it was still in those days, actually. It was, I mean, the, the barmaid sort of said to me, you sound like Cary Grant. And, you know, it was that kind of situation. Yeah. And the Beatles were sort of, you know. So I, was quite, I had quite a good evening. And isn't even, you know yourself that you haven't even got a sort of thrust accent or anything. Yeah. And then I drove down, I mean, I drove down to Salt Lake City and then prices just beyond Salt Lake City. I think, or just this one, one side or the other. Because I, when I flew back, I had to go to Salt Lake City. Anyway, and that's where I—that's where I was when the moon landing took place. That was the night before I was due to go to this third mine. So the next day, I'd get out, get the car out, and drive up to Sunnyside, Sunnyside Mine it was called, and I drive in the gates of this sort of, you know, industrial sort of. Typical mining sort of area, um, but up in the hills, and it's all a bit sort of quiet. <laughs> but I drive up to the to the main offices and sort of get out, and, and they're all sort of shut. <laughs> Not just the door shut, you know. It doesn't. The sort of windows are shut, everything. And I sort of wander around. I'm looking, and then I see that I see an odd, you know, one or two people about. Eventually. Um, so I go up to somebody and say, oh, you know, can you tell me where, where the offices are? And I've got, had the name of the guy, the manager. Um, and I've come to see and he said, and he sort of looked blankly at me and said, uh, well, he's not here. He said, it's the pits on holiday too, because they have a, it was like in England, they have the, they close the whole pit for two weeks and everybody goes away. So I said, well, I've come to, um, you know, to, uh, well, I couldn't send to this guy, but he eventually he found them I and there was a, an official who was there, one of the sort of under-managers who was in charge of what was going on, which was some minor amount of maintenance and that sort of thing. And I explained the situation to him and he said, well, all I can do is take you down, I can take you down and show you the face, but it's not working. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't. So I said, "Well, you know, there was no point in not going, so we went down and looked at the face, which wasn't working, and there's you know, <laughs> another long wall cold face I've seen them anyway, and that you know, and there was no couldn't make any detailed arrangements with the crew or with the people working there or anything um, <clears throat> But again, it was sort of arranged that, yeah, well, you know when you come, we'd be happy to accommodate you yeah? and then I got on a plane and flew back to New York where I well, met Francis. Well, he, know, he sort of took yeah, it. No, his attitude was slightly, well, I don't understand them all. I mean, they don't seem to... I mean, he was... Did he was, ever get any replies to his
1: letters when he'd sent them? I mean... I, was, I
0: don't know. I mean, <laughs> he, he, you, you know, he, in a kind of way, he was efficient, so he didn't sort of query him. He wasn't the kind of person who you had to prod. I mean, he was sort of very, you know, no, oh, no, it's all right, now. All right. He took it all in his stride, but he... he I don't, you never knew with Francis whether his shy, underneath his shyness he did see problems and dismiss them or whether he just was sort of totally optimist, optimistic about it. Um,
1: so, and what about his reaction to the fact that you had not got any information of this, this, this bolt, bolt welding guy? Well,
0: I think he thought that was a joke because I suppose it hadn't been his. That wasn't his idea. It wasn't his idea, but I, I, he's a very difficult person to describe because he wouldn't have seen things in the same way. He didn't sort of, as I say, he was a polymath in terms of knowing it. He knew and he was very highly intelligent in certain kind of ways, and he picked things up very quickly. And he didn't have a sense of hierarchy in that kind of way. So just think, well, you know, why Percy? Yeah, you know, you talk to him. You know, that'd be all right. No, that'd be all right. You know, he'd say, well, if you sort of... Say, if he'd say, well, you know, we're going out... We we get, we, we got the Queen Mary next week, but but they haven't got a captain, so I want you to take it over. Yeah, but Francis, I can't... Yeah. No, that'd be all right, person. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and you'd think, well, yeah, you could probably do it in a sort of he way. he did because he
1: didn't... I mean...
0: No, but he would
1: have... Why did he get... Because in theory, he could have done
0: all this, couldn't he? I mean. What... On his own? Yeah. Well, not if I was going to direct it, really. So he
1: didn't know how to direct? So.
0: Oh, we know yeah, he was a director. He had been in the past, but, I mean, yeah, he could have gone. I suppose he, or I could have gone on my own. I mean, one of us could have gone. In, in some ways, actually, at a certain point, I used to think, well, you know, it would be better if I, I wouldn't mind, you know, if I was organising the whole thing, then I could write to sort of colliery and say, well, mm. you know, but it was all removed, which I couldn't, Interfere with, but I, but for my yeah, experience yeah. of him, I had worries. You know. That's
1: how I always feel in these sort of situations. Yeah. When you went, I mean, like like with, with the library, I would have liked to either I'm running the bloody place. Yeah. Or I don't like being in the middle with people above me who I don't trust. <laughs> yes, world. that's it's right. Just, I don't and then like the, them, yeah, it's just I don't trust them to yeah. do their job properly and yeah. so yeah.
0: And then the car, yeah. So then when I went back, well, then of course I came back. I lost my passport, incidentally. <laughs> was that with Francis? Yeah, that was with him, because I think he dismissed that as well. I not worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> and he going got to up to the desk. And I did. I mean, I don't know. He was handling it, I think. But I mean, I got, uh, they didn't see, you know. So well, did they
1: let you come back? Yeah, let me come back.
0: Mm. That was probably him. He probably thought, sort of said, Yeah, I've got passport.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't talk like that. He you know, what was his accent? These days you'd have to. He was Swiss, Francis. He was Swiss. Half Swiss. Right. Yeah. Swiss Scottish. he have a so he had a Swiss passport? Did
1: he, what accent did he have? Oh English.
0: Accent. No, he was brought to he was Cambridge. He went to Cambridge. He was so uh, very upper Well, reasonably his dad bank. was his dad was a Swiss middle. banker.
1: Right.
0: Not a not a top you know, not a oh. owner banker, but I mean he reasonably well. I don't know what his meant, he was Scottish.
1: Okay, so the
0: personal side of it. In the July, when I went over, right. I was still with Sheila. there was no nothing n- nothing in the air, whatever the relationship was. it was still that when and then I came back and then in August, Sheila you. went down to the cottage and when Sheila came back, your mother and I got together, but she so was that was living with you anyway, but yeah, she was living in the flat upstairs that 's right. the point I was decorating the kitchen, and she was we were talking That's and Sheila was down in Cornwall. And by so when we went back, when I went back in the October, I'd broken up with Sheila in September. June and I were only just together, so I was very obsessed with my new relationship. Right. All this time, although I was in America, a second trip, yeah, a second trip. Although I was in America, I mean, the first trip. I remember in, in Utah, I was sort of looking around for some big present for Sheila, and I got this sort of Indian necklace, um, and that. But by the second time I was there, I was. T- into a very new relationship, I'm so quite obsessed. One um, which mean, Francis was sort of dismissed as... one don't, I don't want to talk about that. His attitude to the fact that was 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 fairly. He didn't so need did to. Did you sort
1: of say, "I'm not sure I want to go"? On the actual main thing, just I can't
0: remember that. I can't remember whether it affected it. I may it may have affected it slightly. But anyway, I did go. Carmel Kames lived in Scarsdale which is sort of north of New York and is conservative territory, Republican territory. And his wife always slept with a gun in her in the bedside drawer. Carmel so, Cames taught me the sort of gave me the Republican view of life, you know, in America. When I went over there I think I stayed at a hotel yeah, the other first night and then I went up to see him the next day. Anyway, so then I get introduced to the unit, which he has set up. He's paid for the lot. He sets it all up. He's simply paid for it. Which made it simple for me. So he was very friendly to me, obviously, because you know, I mean, he was—they uh, were sort of at my disposal, sort of thing. But he, they'd had a schedule. For these by then they had—they knew we were going to these three mines, and this time because it'd probably been arranged by like then, the hotels were all booked, and right. air, we flew. We we had two station wagons which are hired, so we actually flew between locations, the big distances, and then picked up two more station wagons. And the gear all went separately. We flew internal first class, which isn't quite like transatlantic first class. So I'm then introduced to the crew who's assembled. So there's him. Now, he's a a sort of second-generation, very reputable cameraman. He may have done your odd feature. I don't think so. But he was very professional. He knew about, you know, he was very technical, conservative in his sort of aesthetic as a cameraman. But, you know, all right, that's okay. Now, his assistant was about in his fifties. Then there was a production manager who he'd hired. He was in his seventies. In
1: <laughs> his seventies?
0: And he had two fingers missing on one hand.
1: <laughs>
0: OK. And he was kind of totally useless. Carmel came had obviously organised everything himself. I mean, I can't believe this guy would have... Done- he was, when I say totally Eustace, I mean he just wasn't very. And then there was the sound engineer, who again was was getting on. He was a gun freak. In fact, he he was he, he was a very strange guy. I mean, he was a bit worrying. I a mean, bit. he was sort of, he actually sort of you know was always producing guns and sort of
1: what that, like shotguns or hand oh no
0: handguns hand and all sorts. Of things. And then there was the person who I sort of got on best with and the person who I sort of personally got I used to get drinking with was the electrician who wow. was <laughs> he was in his sixties. <laughs> okay. so, and he was an Irish American. Right. So that, and we've sort of budded. So
1: you're a fish out of water,
0: you know are kind of <clears throat> Yeah well uh, well uh, yeah left
1: wing British mm. Mm. guy yeah. in a sort of hippie ish um, situation back home, and you're mm. put with these kind of gun-toting old <laughs> yeah. American republic. Not even young. Not
0: even. I mean, how old were you at the time? You. Well, like, I was, was trying know, to work that out. I mean, I was in my f- what did? What, f- well, sixty-nine. Well, si- well, twenty-four, f- no, 34, 44 50, Well, no, twenty-four from out. sixty-four is what? Oh God. Twenty-four from sixty-four is forty.
1: Yeah, there you go, that makes sense. Uh,
0: but it wasn't, it was, I uh, was 45. Yeah, 45. I was about 45. So I was probably the youngest of them, and even then. Yeah, but that wasn't a problem. No, I, I mean, was he was so very much. accommodating, uh, Carl Marcames. But he didn't, but <laughs> where they were, where, they fell down was, that, and this is where it would have been better even when a British um, unit manager was, although they had arranged everything very well and all that. They were, as I've always sort of said, they were New Yorkers. They were, they were, they were, they they didn't make films on coal mines, that sort of thing. They didn't find this, you know. They're, they're Americans. I thought, well, they're Americans, so it's an American situation. But that's like say you know. If you take a coal miner from Britain to a coal mine in America, he'd be more at home than. So if I'd taken a coal board crew from England, although we would have had the disadvantages of cultural knowledge or that sort of thing, we would, we would have been more at home down a pit than these New Yorkers. So
1: were, they were, well, they, they were actually from New York,
0: then all of them. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's oh, why they, they were assembled. They were Easterners, you know. They weren't. They, so they were.
1: So they're not even deep. So they may have they, were, guns. they may be. They weren't guns, hard but Americans. But well, we're not thinking. Yeah. Okay. So but we're not talking. They're not even hard. So these guys with guns, they're not, we're not talking South... Well, the south. one guy,
0: there's only one guy with a gun. He, he well, yeah, was, but kind of Well, he was just kind them. of mad. He was a bit like saying he had a taxi driver. Well, I mean, yeah, he was, but he wasn't from
1: the deep South or anything. He I don't he know where he's from, he from. I can't
0: remember. But... Like yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, they may have been from around the, America, but they but were... They were city... The they were city it was a city unit, you know. Yeah. And, of course, because it's... Because it's an American culture, a you could take heavy equipment underground. So we didn't we didn't film it with our old clockwork camera, which we uh, which we're used to doing, but which at least was, we we took bloody great. As I said, we took you know the the air in a box that size. Why, why so we did, took these boxes down. Why was there this but,
1: difference? Cultural difference in terms of what you could take down in the coal mine.
0: I don't either. Either they simply don't care about. It. They have. Either their safety regulations are, are much more lax, which okay. means either ours are too, too restrictive or there's not enough, yeah. or the geological conditions are such... I never actually found this out f- satisfactorily. Or the geological conditions are such that there isn't any danger of gas or fire in American mines, which I right. find hard to believe. But, no, it's very well but I mean, explained. they do actually weld underground. They've got sort of workshops... It could be they've got much more spent much more money on ventilation systems, and they pump air, You know, and the other thing is that they have a totally individualistic. They have an American attitude to um, to the work, so that when you go down, I think I've said this before, and they say, you know, that when you went down, they did, in England it's like being, you know, you you are being you're treated like a baby. In us, you're not really, but I mean, you are. There there is that kind of feeling that you're a stranger. They will, they, you don't go down the pit on your. Them. You're looked after, so you have a deputy in charge. Mm. You know somebody's mandated to make to look after you. So he will get other people to do things, and he and he will make you sh- look after your safety, and he will take you to the place where you're going. You'd never be left on your own. You wouldn't be expected to find your way in a pit. But I mean, the first time we went down this American mine, we were in this cage. And we were all, they were all there with their great big boxes and they weren't looking too happy because they, like, you know, they didn't they weren't used to going down mines, that sort of thing. So we were going down and I was... I can't remember what happened. I think I'd said to somebody at the top... I, must, I mean, I must have been worried about this. I must have sort of said to somebody, well, who, so what's going to happen? And they told us where we were going and that sort of thing. I suppose I was looking for somebody to be waiting for us at the bottom. I must have got some false I must have had a false idea, otherwise I'd have done something about it before we went down. but when we got there anyway, the point is that the cage door opened, and everybody just went. they all shut, you know people working up that way that way that way, yeah, and we were just left there literally in a strange mind with this gear and these complaining New Yorkers and this huge amount of gear because that was another thing in England you i mean they look at the gear you've got and they carry it if actually I mean, we would carry it, but they would offer. If 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 you hadn't offered to, if you hadn't t- picked it up, they would have assumed that you were underground, and therefore all you could do was walk, and everything else would be carried. But in America, you know, with, the, with these much bigger boxes, they needed somebody we, yeah, we needed somebody. Needed yeah, they're, old, they're, they're right. all gone. Right. They're all gone. Right. And that was it. And that was the kind of general for the f- following experience, you know. Throughout, one was much more left on one's own and you were left on your own with, with people who weren't, didn't really know about mining and that sort of thing. I mean, the unit. It would have been much easier with a British unit. OK, so... With, not with a British unit, but right. with a coal unit. Who knew what the hell
1: yeah, they
0: were doing. yeah, the mines. I mean, they're friendly. Yeah. I don't don't get it wrong. I mean, on the so surface, I can't remember after that. On the it, surface, they were it. they were always friendly, and they'd say, "Yeah, we'd we'll do this and sort <laughs> that out." And, and um, uh, that was the worst experience, that sort of way. Uh, but I mean, generally speaking, there was somebody with you, but not in the kind of way there was somebody with you in England, where there would be somebody there specifically to. Show you things, and also yeah. specific, specifically to then, if you wanted to do something, to arrange something. So you, you know, you'd have a deputy who go say that the machine operator, can you stop there and do this, you know? But it, we, we were just sort of there, taken. Well, there's a the face, and they're all, you know, you know what the faces are like, yeah, what's going on there, yeah. and you have to arrange it all yourself, which is fair there's enough.
1: All those people doing stuff, and they don't want. You yeah, to and you can't, and they, they can't,
0: can't hear, and you know, deputy, you can, yeah. So but there was great friendliness. I mean, certainly when we came up, you know, there were people who, there, some. Well, most of the, the, the in the film, there's this guy who who owns the farm. Who was, mm. I mean, we, you know, and well, lots I mean, of people. We, nobody was unfriendly. They well, tended I mean, in, in, to be very friendly. But they, were, but no, I think what you you actually well, hit I mean, my head well, when well, you I mean, talked about the insignificance of the event. We met the odd representatives from these companies. But again, it had all been so poorly arranged. Nobody nobody really knew. I mean, what was weak about it? What really should have been? There should have been some... Yeah, there should have been a mining engineer to know what the purpose of the film was. OK, we're seeing this particular American installation of a longwall face. Now, what is its significance in relation to longwall faces in this country? Because it, when we filmed the managers, which was the only thing I could do in the end, I just sort of... Each manager to explain about the pit, With that's why, I mean, they just put maps up and talk about it. And I thought, well, you know, I don't know what you start talking about necessarily. I mean, but, you know, <laughs> um, or I wouldn't know the significance, rather, of well. what I wouldn't sort of be able to say, hey, hang on a minute, you know, is that, did you do that, well, you know, which is what, if you'd had an, a mining engineer, it would have been like having an expert inter- interlocutor who could have actually, got from this guy interesting information about the use. But it wasn't. There was nobody there to do this. And the companies didn't even provide this. I mean their representatives over there met, met us and had gin and tonics in the sort of in the you know, in this holiday and in the evening, but they never sort of came up with, well, what we should you know that, that, I mean it was a crazy it was, it was a totally So uh,
1: did you have a sense of what was the purpose of the film? Yeah, I knew
0: this all along. I felt no, I knew from I mean, I thought this is a fantasy in a kind of way. It's not it, it's it's I mean, it, the absolute key to making that film you're going to America to discover how American mining unit uh, uh, American mines by using British equipment and to make a film which demonstrates the way they use it, what's good about it, what's but you know, what problems, da dee da da of interest to other mining engineers back here. The absolute key was to have either a mining engineer from the coal board or a mining engineer from, from the company. Well, from the companies. Could have had American as well, but, I mean, the essential thing was to have somebody going out there I know, I know. with the expert to make this analysis. And in fact, all they had out there was someone knew how to make film, and had okay knew in that sense about British pits. You know, knew what they looked like, and knew roughly how long wall face worked. So what I was interested in was all the bits around yeah, the course. shooting around of the American. You know, like like when we shot their farm, and the shots with that. Which I mean, which I could get into some extent because it was the context. It gave it a context, well, an American was the context.
1: Point of-
0: Well, you see, I I mean, I wouldn't have known this. It was set up, as I say, by the three mining companies and the Coal Board. Was it initiated by the Coal Board? I don't quite see why they would initiate it because it has no sales function for them. Okay, you could say, on the other hand, these three mining companies were making equipment for the British coal mines and they obviously had very good relations with the Coal Board because the Coal Board was their major customer. I mean the sole customer in this country and probably, you know, ninety percent of their sales. So I would imagine that they somehow either initiated it or, or somebody from the cold board sort of said oh, it would be a good idea and they, they agreed happily. But that's another thing. But then they then presumably assumed, because the coal board anyway was fairly dominant from their point of view, they're not gonna be awkward, they presumably assumed that when the cold board say they're gonna make the film they're not just going to send a film director. They're going to send, you know, People you know they didn't the have any say on the script because there wasn't a script because it was, as I say, it was that kind of a film. It was, it was to film. This was a, a, it the was, script couldn't arise until you got
1: there. It was kind of an internal film, though. Not. It, it wasn't. It wasn't like the mining review or anything. It wasn't meant for the public's consumption.
0: It, I don't know who it was meant for. These three companies would then be able to use it to sell their mining equipment. Where I mean. Not in Birmingham or not, you know, in Brixton, I mean, in America. I mean, on the other hand, you see, these companies would not have been in a situation where they would have wanted to upset the Cold War. They would quite happily say, we'll put a few, I mean, this is, you know, we'll put a few thousand into the bacon of this film for our biggest customer. Our biggest customer's got a film unit and they think it'd be a good idea. So, so it could have been this friend of Francis. It could have been the engineer. He
1: just wanted to know what. Was who going thought it would
0: be night. Nice. Well, we who said, no, we've got all this stuff out there, you know, it's good, you know, let's make a film. And that's the way Francis was. You know, Francis, like, Francis' kind of terrible casualness. See, if if the guy so had said, look, if this engineer who Francis drank with, yeah. I never drank oh, with okay. them together, but if they drank together, and this guy had said to Francis, it would be quite a good idea, to, you know, Make we've got this stuff out in America, we make a film. Francis wouldn't have turned around and said, yeah, yeah, that is a good idea, you know, now let's think about this, let's analyse this, you know, what do we... He'd have said, yeah, 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 good idea, yeah, why not? Hmm. I'll talk to Perth. Oh <laughs> I, I can so like that. So I think the whole thing came... This is why I think it's a fantasy. Because
1: a lot of- I can I can see how you could go out there to make a film for the public about American use of. Yeah, but it wasn't. You, you wouldn't Absolutely. have to have all this technical information. No, no, no. You could say, show how great Britain is. Yeah. A propaganda film almost, you know, yeah. how great our the machinery, yeah. the Americans are using us, you know. Yeah,
0: but then, then our, that would have been by, made by the COI yeah. or something, or the government.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see how that would be made. Yeah. Um, wasn't. I did not even see how the coal board would make it for for, for the public. In yes. the mining review, yeah. look at what we're doing. Mm. Look what the coal board is doing in America. Look what our um, you know our expertise has gone. I don't into. think
0: it was even used in mining review yeah. it was shot on sixty millimeter to begin with.
1: Right.
0: Well, because by then everything of those kind of films were shot on sixty
1: right, millimeter. Right, right.
0: I mean, it was only mining of your shop because it went into the cinema. I mean, you, you so could... not even shot on a format that would... would no,
1: you could, shot, you could you could have,
0: have blown it up. You could have blown no, no, it up. But it wouldn't... No, no, it wasn't shot on a format, no. So oh. it was intended as a film, which then there would be a copy in the Cobalt Library and these people <laughs> would have a copy, they would have copies. So what are they going to do with it? Anderson Maver, they're big... I mean, I made... Actually, did make a couple of films for them which was which they the Cobalt made for them, but that was to their own requirements. And that those were I had an engineer with me all the time, and they were just, you
1: know. wonder what they did with them. What well, I mean, they just well, put them in a box. I well, guess. no, that,
0: I don't think, no, I don't think they were very happy. They <laughs> weren't very happy because I made, I mean, I came back with this film which had these kind of vague sequences about underground, which we got. All the stuff which I managed to get on the surface, you know, the guy in the car and that sort of thing, and people talking, <laughs> as much as I could get of that, because that's what interested me. And then I cut it in the cold board in, in, in Water Street. In
1: um, How long was the film when you cut
0: it? <clears throat> it was about 40 minutes. It was long too, easy okay. for the coal Thirty-four, thirty, 34, 30, certainly over half an hour. And it has these sequences of the, ma- the manager each time, he's his manager explaining his bit. But, I mean, that isn't, that's not relevant. You know, it's, it should be about sort of, yeah, you know. I mean, there are one or two remarks. Like the guy who says, yeah, we've got this British equipment, we've had to beef it up, mind you. This one, he was... He was fairly negative about it. That's, that's not like. <laughs> he didn't like it. He said, it's all right, you know, but it's not strong enough. It was a, he had this kind of idea, the British, you know, they're not really... Pansies. Pansies, yeah. Really. Exactly. yeah. We that's had to beef it up, you know. Yeah. But basically, I mean, they were, they were just simply telling how... They, yeah, we have this long-wall equipment in our mind. They were telling how it was laid out and that. But they weren't being interrogated and they weren't being analysed. There was no question of, there, there was no nothing in the film about, well, the, the, the geological conditions in America are like this, whereas in England they're like this, and therefore the machines have to be this much larger. or You know, I mean, you can imagine the kinds of way. And he says, I mean, I can remember from the very beginning, I was constantly saying and thinking, you know, we must have... In the early stages, I was saying, "But well, we must have a mining engineer." You know, I you know. I don't know why. I, mean, I suppose I, I suppose I wanted to go to America, or I didn't see.
1: No, well, didn't. nobody would
0: agree with me.
1: Why did you
0: have to lose? Yeah, well, I know. It wasn't
1: yes. like your
0: reputation hung on this. No, 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 i um, no. And
1: it's not like you particularly cared about your reputation. No, yeah, and like
0: also that. don't forget this was a, that period, of course. But with this, with all the personal things going, I was in a great yeah, sort of yeah, state yeah, of, yeah, yeah. you know, I wasn't thinking. I'd probably have thought very differently or been have made different decisions, for, uh, if you hadn't prior or later. Yeah, but you know, it was all going like
1: on. Yeah, the,
0: the, the moonshot. <laughs> You know, divorced marriage, uh, divorce, finding a place to live, mm-hmm. and then the final thing was, of course, we then we flew back to New York. I had a few days. I had, I didn't have a full week. I think I had about four or five days or something. So I stayed in a hotel in New York, went up, and Carmel okay That's right. They took me to the theatre in his father's house. They had this th- underground theatre. Yeah, yeah. The film yeah, No, a yeah. the film theatre. And in those days, we're going back to 1969, you know, when you didn't have div- DVDs and video and d- digital and all that. And they ran me around the world in 80 days, which had been made fairly recently. was a sort of big, uh, very well thought of by conservative film viewers. You know yeah. what I mean? It was a big film, big... <laughs> And it was, on, I think, it was widescreen. Yeah, because widescreen was, was not all that in. was coming in. It was yeah. not all that long, you know. It was still, still a big thing. And uh, that's right. and He gave me a bottle of whiskey, and well, I sat sat and watched around the uh, well, 80 days, drinking this black and white whiskey with the sort of Carmel and, and, yeah. and the whiskey <laughs> was called black and white.
1: Yeah, yeah
0: that was now that was that was yeah black and black and it was re- like um, yeah black and white scotch. It was a sort of big. It was a big Scottish whiskey in America.
1: Right.
0: And Jack Daniels was the big thing. That was before Jack Daniels came over here. I mean, it, you obviously yeah. was here, but it was before it was popular. Before it was the drink. But, but, no, but the thing is, on the plane, I got absolutely pissed. Flying back. I mean, nowadays, you wouldn't be able to do it. No, because how it started is I had the rushes. We had the opportunity of either getting processed over there or bringing it all back. Now for some reason it meant we couldn't see what we were shooting but I can't remember why, but probably because it was sixteen millimeter, but it was it would have been impossible with thirty five. So actually I had the rushes in a huge box like this packed in a huge cardboard box. How
1: big,
0: which, what, oh, how big, 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 big? enough that you know they had to put it on a trolley to get it on the plate. Right, okay. But it was you know, you could lip one well, it was you could lift if, it on your own? Or? I can't remember. You would difficulty, you could have. Yeah, okay. you could have. I mean, it was not saying you could carry under your arm. But then. About and it was time. worth about 20 grand because it was the whole rushes for the thing. Now, that doesn't say much now, but I mean, I suppose it would be worth about 100 grand or something now. Right. <laughs> you know, and it was in my responsibility. And I had these rushes, which was the negative of the whole film. And I had it on a seat beside me.
1: You had
0: no other copies? No, the original. <laughs> One and, the, and I think we must have actually booked a seat, two seats, because I had it on the seat beside me. Okay. And I don't know, it was a kind of relief, relaxation. I was coming back to June, I hadn't seen her, I mean, it was fairly new. Yeah. Relief, whatever it was, but anyway, I got very, very drunk, drunk, very drunk.
1: Right.
0: But, um, on the plane, yeah. It on the I mean, t- but, but expenses expenses or Oh yeah, 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 no, no, because my, that was the other thing. Oh yes, was I all mean, on the no, well, yeah, no, because when you know what happened is when I because I was going abroad and this function, I was jacked up into some kind of new, different grade of expenses temporarily for this thing. Right. So I was a total. I was treated like somebody of a much higher management status. So I had. Virtually unlimited expenses. I mean, when I was drinking with all these, you know, whereas in the past I would have had, you'd have had to have made a case for buying a drink for somebody. You know, I mean, you could just. I, mean, that, I was virtually, yeah. I mean, I virtually did. I, what money I spent was recoupable during that trip, just for that, you know, for that trip. Yeah. So no money was no problem. I mean. But, um, so you
1: got really pissed on the I got really
0: pissed on plane. on the plane, and when I got to this country... And, but you wouldn't have done it today. And, I mean, I, when I got to this country, I was, don't, they'd sent Charlie Hasda, who was a cameraman, to meet me with a car, and I rushed through the customs. I don't know how I got through customs, but I got through everything. It was uh, sort of with somebody pushing this thing beside me. got through, and I was waiting for a taxi, and then Charlie Hasda came up to me. And said, "Didn't you see me?" And I sort of said, no, "Apparently not." So he then took the rushes, and I wouldn't. I he was going to take the rushes back to the coal board. That's right. And it was it was probably evening or something. Anyway, so I sort of said, "Well, I'm I'm going home." So I went off. So I went on the underground, <laughs> and he got went back to Ballam. I mean, I was quite glad to be back. I wanted to get back. Because, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, my getting drunk on the plane was a kind of uh, great celebration uh, and relief. And, yeah, oh, fuck it, here I am, you know. And was it that you... Did you actually wish... Did
1: you really... Did you want to go?
0: Well, as I say, when I first heard about it, and that's when I was with Sheila and there was no... I mean, Sheila and I weren't very happy. Looking back on it, we clearly were not. I mean, no, because, I mean, the first time... Before we went, the first time she and I went over... For dinner with Francis and Cathy, you know, before, it was a kind of before he and I went. Although Sheila never got on terribly well with Cathy. July, I went with Francis, came back. September, I broke out with Sheila. As I say, it was September when June, Sheila came back in early September. June and I were together in mid September, say. Yeah, we'd been living at Betty's for about three weeks, three or four weeks. And then I went to America.
1: For a month. From Betty's, for yeah, a
0: month. yeah, for a month, yeah.
1: Complicated, yeah. So you wanted to go on the first trip,
0: yeah. Because well, well, I know. Right from the very beginning, point. I always had this kind of reservation about this isn't like if somebody who I had who I had known and. It asked me to make a film an inter- film in which I was really terribly interested in and w- which was based also upon sort of research from their point of view. Now, I mean, I always had this feeling, this is a strange enterprise, you know, that this isn't really the, this isn't the way to do this. So do I want to do it? Well, it's fair. it would have been difficult to get out of, I suppose, anyway, because I'd have had to have turned it down. And I mean, and the idea of going to America, this is before anything happened. You know, in my private life, the idea of going to America... That was all right. So I go with Francis. And when I come back with Francis, I've probably got some misgivings. On the other hand, in a way, I knew I was also reassured in the sense that I knew that Carmelka. I knew we got a unit. I, knew, I mean, because I hadn't had any say in organising or setting anything up. I didn't have to worry about that. That had been set up over there. So then going the second time, well, I didn't really all that much want to go. No, not then. What did June? What June went and stayed in the Isle of Man, you know, with a cousin or something for most of the time. I was, I was in two minds.
1: You were re- reluctant to go on. A-
0: yeah, I mean, I can You know, I, I feel, sort of feel a bit guilty. I should say, well, you know, I got this sudden chance to go to America, and of course, I was wildly excited. No, no, you know no, that. But looking nicer. back on it, I mean, I wasn't really. The whole thing was always fraught with, with you know, first of all, with the kind of the what's it all about, you know. The, the sense that this is another sort of absurd exercise in human sort of self-deceit, self-deception, and then subsequently, then the, the personal. You know that I was also got an awful lot going on personally, and I, you know, what was I really concerned about in life? And all that. But I mean, I like, and there were things about it. I mean, I would, I, I'm glad I went to New York. I'm glad, I'm glad I went. I'm glad that, you know, that that America hasn't just remained an imagined place. Because in a strange way, it's confirmed. It's a confirmatory thing. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know.
1: Was the film ever screened?
0: Well, according to Patrick, who's pretty good on these kind of things and sort of finds the records, there's very little shine of it being you. I mean, I don't know whether they had the library bookings. I'll ask him when I see him, but... No, I would say on the whole it wasn't.
1: And did you, I mean, did you not have a, did you ever sit down and watch the I mean, didn't, don't you all sit down and watch the last... What? You edited it. Yeah. Did you not sit down
0: and watch the whole thing at some point? Oh, yeah, I mean, Francis, we all sat, we must have seen it at the coal board. Right, it would have been a show copy. Oh, yeah, and everybody at the coal board would have seen it.
1: So you all sat in
0: yeah. Well, of... I mean, it would have been run in the theatre. We had our own anything? private theatre. Do you, mean, you
1: remember anything about when they started? No, it? I don't remember
0: it. I, I know it wasn't sort of wildly received. I know I was a bit worried. I was a bit worried when I was editing it because I simply thought, well, we didn't really... You know, there's, there's nothing here about... not not. There's nothing analytical here. This is These are just shots of sort of coal mines and I can't remember... I've got Sorry. a copy... I've actually got a... I mean, I think...
1: I'd definitely be interested in the topic... I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, the, what attracts me to the yes. stories is it's such an absurd story. Yeah. It's ridiculous that, that they even thought this would work.
0: And it's probably I mean, the most expensive film they made, of course, in the whole career. Yeah. But don't uh, mind you, some of it was funded by the companies, so maybe it wasn't yeah, but I call. mean, it's still... It's a really big... Pro- you know, people. it's like the one time when they go on to a really big project to go abroad, to go to America make films <laughs> in American minds. They... It's done in a kind of casual way, almost like a mining of your item. It's almost like a mining of, you know, which you go away to make a two-minute item in a, in a country you knew with people you knew in that way, you know. You would do it. You would treat it in that you you could afford to be. You know, you could be that kind of casual in a way. But to to go two thousand miles and sort of breeze in and sort of say, then to have this strange strange unit, you feel they were the retired members of the old enough that they could be assembled like they are almost like you know an odd, very strange group assembled. Yeah.
1: Do you have any artistic intent? Did you have a film that you wanted to make in America?
0: Yeah. The only. Artistic intent, aren't I? I knew I had to form the installations. I'd done that before. I mean, I knew what they how they worked. I knew the conventional shots you would get. You know, you'd have to get the machine, you'd have to get the belt, you'd have to get the tail ends, you'd have to get, you know, people yeah. going on. And on. But I mean, these are sort of stock shots re- being reshot in America. Theoretically, this should have led to an analysis of this face. Mm in relation to power loading everywhere and uh, statistics and geological strata and, um, you know. But since <laughs> there was nobody there, this didn't happen. That Having got the sh- shots of the face, you then got the an interview of the manager who would tell you how the thing was being used in there. But you couldn't query, you couldn't interject. Well, you could interject questions, but, I mean, they... I wasn't in a position to interject any more than, any than other than general questions. In fact, I don't think I ever did interject because you know he's describing his peer. I'm not. So there was those. Well, right. The only other ingredient was that okay, each of these mines is situated in this strange country called America, in a different part of it. We can we will get some shots around in mean, to put it in a context, mm. so with carmel came I and they were Americans, you know we would go and talk to local people and like so the the guy who the guy who was the mine foreman, which is the equivalent of a sort of overseer and yeah, not actually the manager, was this guy who'd bought himself this huge farm because american oh, yeah. mine well American miners did earn more, so okay, that interested me. There were some shots in a I will. I will get the thing for you because there's sort of, sort of shots in American town and the street, and I think the things about us. They're all about. All the interviews are sort of what do you think of my British equipment or that sort of thing, <laughs> you know? What? what's yeah,
1: but, I mean the only thing <laughs> that's is it. You were Those are the me. ingredients.
0: Oh, and then and then yeah, no horseshoe curve, this railway place. I just like the look of that. So I remember we got some shot. I don't know how I got that into the film, but there's some shots of that. Probably so, because they use coal to run the train.
1: So basically <laughs> you had no story to tell, you had no not documentary story, <laughs> not narrative story, no fictional story, nothing you had nothing I just don't understand why they put the money up for this one. There's <laughs> nothing to say. My God, it's so liquid. I know. Oh I know. it's, it's properly ridiculous.
0: <laughs> I know. And I did have this sort of feeling. I remember when I was sort of editing it, I always had this kind of anxiety, not a sort of terror, and thing, and just a kind of strange anxiety about sort of, you know, what? all right, you know, you can... I mean, calmount Mount Kames, we did have good equipment, and that sort of thing, and we did get some sort of interesting shots on the surface of various things like, I don't know, coal siding and, and you know, I can't remember. We'll have to look at it. But, I mean, that's all there was. And even that... I mean, the only relation... OK, you can make a social relationship, yeah. So the only social relationship... There's some shots of cars, I think that's in the bit you saw, isn't it? Where, we, where they yeah. say so every miner has a car and that, and there's another yeah. one where, you know... So these comparisons, very superficial... Well, not necessarily superficial, but obvious comparisons between... I mean, obviously, when you, you're you over there, you're thinking, well, this is a film about British equipment here, so, you know, these are miners, they're miners there, so... What's the difference? That's it. But you're quite right. It's an extraordinary. It's,
1: I, I mean, I think the film to be made about this, or the book, or whichever. I mean, I think. I mean, I think it's a comedy.
0: I mean, I think it's you know. It's, well, there is a comedy to be made. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, I mean, it's, it's very much. <laughs> yeah, you know, not a simple
1: comedy.
0: No, it's the problem is that it's a very. It's not a very simple comedy. We'll
1: never Because kind of it's ever.
0: not kind of farce. I mean, these weren't fools. No, no, if Francis no. had been a fool. You know, if he was an idiot, one of these sort of pompous idiots who said, you know, know and he's... didn't work. But he isn't. He's a very, br- he was a very I mean, bright a guy. Of the, a lot
1: of um, the best, best comedy, a lot of the best comedy, I think, um, is, is, that, is that way inclined. Is, is I mean, the ones I really like. You can follow Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at gba podcast you can like it on facebook www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted